0: sports fans and welcome to the business fixer podcast where we believe that clarity is king and simplicity is queen today episode 13 business growth lessons from expand marketing we have a very special guest on the show today jag panasar jag's been a really good friend of mine for uh, over a, a, over a decade actually and uh, when we first met we both had black hair yeah how about that So in this episode, Jag is going to be going through some really crucial business growth lessons. You don't want to miss it. The Business Fixer podcast is sponsored by Dad Mode. Let me let you in on a little secret. Dads are sick and tired of getting the same old shitty gifts that, you know deodorant and socks and whatever else you can think of we we just kind of open up those gifts and go oh yeah that that's that's great no no just yeah hand me a beer because i need to drink to just to get through this awful present so at dadmo.co.uk we have a load of great dad gifts that's dad joke t-shirts dad joke mugs i mean make him smile that's the best gift you can give somebody but also with dad mode there's a social focus every purchase counts towards the fight against male suicide we have the dad mode podcast where we interview some great people great mental health charities we create promo codes use that promo code and a percentage of the profits will go towards that fight so please visit dadmode.co.uk listen to the podcast more importantly buy something using the promo codes that we have and give those dads the gifts that they deserve. The dad of laughter. That is dadmode.co.uk. So, as I said, I've known Jack for a while. And it's been a delight to watch him grow his business over the last 12 years or so. When we first met, he was a solopreneur. Uh, he was in the marketing sphere. I was in the marketing sphere. Um, and I've just watched his career um, over the last 12 years. And seeing him grow his business, how he's managed to land some really big clients like Lint Chocolate. Uh, He does marketing for them. I just eat Lint Chocolate. Um, (laughs) But it's been a delight. And he's just going to go through a load of stuff uh, about how businesses need to grow, um, how, what they should be looking out for. And we talk about things like structure and processes, and he really talked about values a lot, which is really interesting to me. So I think that's going to be a really good episode for you guys to listen to. Jag set up Expand in 2007 with a goal to use his experience in marketing strategy to help organizations build their brand. Since then, he has delivered projects for clients across the UK, including Master Chocolatiers, Lint, and Sprungly. Am I saying that right? Sprungly. And the HM Prison Service. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know you did that. Jack and his team created Solar7. That's S-O-L-A-R-7. All one word. Um, and that's a number seven at the end. Uh, so Solar7 is a marketing framework that involves seven steps to achieve marketing return on investment. This model, uh, the model has achieved success for clients throughout the UK time and time again. So if you head over to businessfixer.co.uk, we will definitely be putting links to that in the show notes and let them know, uh, that, uh, Haroon sent you without further ado, here's Jag. So, uh, Jag, I know we've known each other for over 10 years, but I have a confession to make. I hate Star Wars. How, How dare, dare you. you? I'm going. Can't stand it, man. Can't oh, man. stand it. You know, yeah. my, the thing that hurts me the most is that my son now—he also loves comic books like I do, but he likes Star Wars a lot. And I feel like, should I disown him or not? I'm not <laughs> really
1: sure. I'll take him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like when we, but when we met each other, it was probably about a decade ago, wasn't it? Probably over ten years.
1: Over ten years, probably like twelve years ago or something
0: like that. And then you would you were just a sole trader at that point, or is it just, it was you by yourself?
1: It was me on my own, yeah.
0: And then now, like 12 years later, you have six people, Mm -hmm. you're recognized as one of the top digital agencies, not only in Bradford, I would say in the North, you've been featured in uh, a lot of like really good publications. So we're going to talk about what's happened in this last 12 years and how you got from A to B. So Mm. I think this, for this episode, I wanted to really talk about a growth story. So, just tell us, start anywhere you want, man. Like, how did you do it? Um, oh, it's,
1: it's, it's quite a long story, really, but um, I'll give you the potted version. Um, you know, I think a big part of growth comes down to mindset. The first five years of me being in business, it, I kind of fell into it. I always knew I wanted to be in business, but I fell into it because I was made redundant, which is quite a classic story for a lot of kind of uh, new starts. Um, it was a very niche industry, it was garage equipment like lifts and tyre changes and bears all the stuff you see in a garage workshop. So it's a very niche industry, and I was made redundant. And because everyone knew what was going on, uh, a couple of companies wanted me to go and work for them. Uh, But my little Mark II Polo, my m Mark II Polo, wouldn't have made it up and down the M62 every day because one of the people that offered me a job was in Liverpool, and I was based in Bradford at the time. Um, so we decided that, OK, well, I'll just charge you an hourly rate and I'll work from home. And they said, fine. And it, that's kind of how it started. So I ended up kind of staying within those kind of, that little industry for quite a while. Um, I set up another business with a business partner um, retailing in car accessories at the time. And I was probably biting off a bit more than I could chew at that time. Uh, I was doing too many things. I was getting a little bit too excited about it. So I ended up dropping that after about a year or two. And then uh, in 2011, that's when I really decided, right, okay, this was at the end of 2011, I said 2012, I'm going to push it, and um, that's it, I'm going to start employing, I'm going to build an agency. Then within the space of six months, it went from just myself to there being four of us. Um, And that was a pretty huge learning curve because, you know, without any solid management experience, I was used to kind of doing everything myself and just building out this team. I had a designer, I had a developer, I had an apprentice, and we were very much a creative agency back then. Um, And yeah, it, it was a very interesting time. And the the biggest kind of learning curve, and still is, to be honest, is it's all about the systems, really. The kind of the hand, the, the, the process of growing and getting things running efficiently is having the right systems in place. And, of course, having the right people in place. And if you can get those two things right, really, you know, the people say, If sometimes I ask questions to prospects or clients, you know, who are the most important people to you? They might say customers, but the reality is, most important people in the business is the internal resource that you have within the people. If you get the right people in the business, then quite frankly, the work will, the, the brand will build itself, you know, we call it employee advocacy and employee engagement. If they're really engaged and absolutely love what they're doing, they are the best ambassadors for your brand. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of fundamental to the growth of a of business, getting the right people in place.
0: Take care of your people, they'll take care of your customers and they'll take care of the shareholders. Absolutely. 100%. Classic Richard Branson, isn't it? Um, so what, at what point did you know that you had to start putting in systems or processes in place? Was it when you hired your first person or was it when you grew to about four people? Uh, well, that happened
1: very quickly within the space of six months. And it was at some point between there because, you know, the learning curve for me was... I just need you to do this and obviously everything was going on in my head and I just didn't fully understand at the time you know why they're not doing this why they're not doing that because nothing was documented nothing had been fully trained up and even the way we were communicating and managing projects when it was just me it was all happening by phone or email but then we knew we needed kind of a central system to be able to store everything so that the comms with clients would be a lot easier so kind of one of the first uh, kind of big moves for us back then was to bring in a program called Basecamp I don't know if it still exists but it was just kind of a really good, at the time it was a really good uh, communications tool just to kind of house all the projects and messaging within one place uh, to keep it moving forward. Um, we then brought in um, a system to measure our timing, um, uh, called Toggle, uh, and we still use that now. Um, and you know, So we know we might have estimates on, on projects that we might say, okay, we, we've estimated 10 hours to do this at our hourly rate. So we know that we need to kind of keep as close as possible to those 10 hours. Uh, So we brought that in and then the learning from that was, okay, well, the estimating needs to get a lot better because we need to have, you know, if we end up going into 11 hours or 12 hours out of those 10 hours, we get moving into the realms of losing money. Um, So that kind of led to me realising, okay, well, I need to be documenting the processes and I need to be um, making sure that everybody is aware of what's involved and bringing in the expertise of all the different team members so that they're all quoting their own independent parts so that the specification from the outset is 100% clear uh, so that we can hit the nail on the head and get within the estimated timeframes.
0: Well, let me ask you this because I think because um, you, you are a creative person all right we've done collaborations over the years and things like that now but what you're talking about so I mean, what I'm saying is <clears throat> you're very right-hand side of the brain naturally, aren't you, as a creative? <laughs> what you're talking about here, is systems and processes, very left-hand side of the brain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How, I mean, and I've had to learn this as well as a fellow creative who has to learn when to be creative and learn when I had to be process-driven. Mm-hmm. How have you managed that balance and has it been a challenge for you and how have you overcome it?
1: Wow uh, that's a good that's a good one because I was thinking this just the other day I was thinking I haven't done anything really creative for quite a while because my role within the business is very much <clears throat> um, you know running the systems general administration running the finances right. I do a lot of business of development uh, I do a lot of the strategy overview and make sure all the pieces tied together I am involved in creative but when I say creative I'm not kind of Sewing it from the bottom and pulling it out uh, the t- there's different team members that are responsible for that part of it um how that transition took place that's a good question um it was it was quite difficult if I'm honest because it's hard not to kind of be involved in the thing that you really love doing and I feel for me that was probably a barrier to my growth because a very natural thing I, from what I've observed in, in how many years we've been doing this is you know the biggest blockage in a business growth is the business owner and when you're not letting go of functions and not trusting the people around you to actually take over and do things then you you're only one person you've only got so many hours in the day you can't do everything yourself um so the letting go part was very difficult um but i think again it comes down to getting the right people in you know in terms of hiring the right people and seeing their kind of natural competencies and skill sets and recognizing that actually if I hand this over to um, Simon who is our operations manager there's things that I mean he and I are like yin and yang. Um, he's very good at the things that I'm not uh, not that good at and we complement each other in that way he's very systematic and very organized and uh, you know the things that I might have to work a bit harder to kind of do that he can do just like that uh, means that why not just give that stuff to him and then I focus on uh, the stuff that I'm good at uh, it comes I think it comes down to just making sure you've got the right people in place and trusting that they will do something and mistakes happen you know in the way that you kind of hand stuff over but that's all part of the evolution of business there's always a learning curve every day is a school day as they say
0: sounds like a like a work marriage doesn't it you, you kind of complement each other and you've got to trust each other -hmm. Uh, Very much. I think we probably get it right in our uh, workplaces rather than at home, probably (laughs) better sometimes. Um, So, you went around, let's talk about this hiring the right people then, because I have learned in my career as well having the right person can save you so much headache. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm really great. You know, uh, (laughs) when you have the wrong person in the wrong place, it just is a killer. How do you go about finding the right people?
1: So, I think it's very important to have uh, to know yourself and know your business and know your own values ahead of anything else, to know what your core values are and beliefs are. Values are kind of your core behaviors. If you're hiring someone, yes, you want to hire them on their skill set and their competencies, but then also, obviously, attitude is crucial values if you can hire someone that demonstrates similar values to you um or aspires towards those values you've got yourself a good alignment of of a matchup of people and if everyone in the organization shares very similar values you've got a good natural kind of you don't have to work that hard to kind of get on with each other and when that's happening Straight away, that's the foundation laid, and it takes away a lot of the potential challenge of you know internal um, um heads locking and you know people disagreeing, which happens. It can. I think it's healthy for that to happen, uh, and that's where change comes in as well. Uh, but I think it all comes down to employing based on values and people's competent core competencies. You know, you, you you're not always going to find a 100 match for exactly everything you need. There might even be that that little few percent. Two or three percent that they don't match exactly, but as long as they have that core competency, and the right attitude, and those values aligned with your organisation's values, then it's that's where the perfect fit comes in. And again, you know, I think I've I've, I've learned that um, <clears throat> through trial and error. There's been times when I didn't fully understand the depth of what I've just said about values. I had I've had great people in the business who've been brilliant at what they do, but there's been a misalignment in our values, and that's mm-hmm. shown. Way that we've developed. Um, so I, I really do believe it just comes back to the people element of it, hiring people that align with your own values and just knowing what your own beliefs actually are, the key things that are so important to you. And as a business owner, that's often the thing that will spread straight into the business values because it's, you know, it comes from there. And if you're getting the same, um, alignment of people involved that's where the growth really happens
0: could not agree more and um, what you're talking about there uh, really is about clarity and as you probably uh, know anybody who's listened to the podcast for any length of time we have the phrase clarity is king simplicity is queen how have you ensured clarity throughout the organization then when you talk about values because is it, it we all know that you know just to kind of put it on a website or Send it to them in a document and expect them to read it is not really going to embed it or no. get people aligned. How do you ensure that clarity um, with the values uh, with your with your staff?
1: So we've got them. We've got four key values. They are on the on the uh, in frames on the walls when we induct our staff. Obviously, we look for these values in them. We don't tell them what our values are. We look for demonstration of the kind of things that they're saying for these values. Um. In our in- initial induction, uh, we'll have a short presentation, a bit about the business, our history, and so on and so on, and where we're going, objectives, and an outline of our values. Um, so, and you know, so that's kind of saying, right, this is kind of the reason you jumped on board. We 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 kind of offered you the role is because you demonstrated uh, the values amongst whatever other competencies that demonstrated. Um, after that, we have uh, regular reviews uh, in which uh, we actually kind of um, discuss the values and talk about um, how the uh, team member, if they feel that they have kind of demonstrated in any kind of way, the values that are uh, that are outlined. All right. Um, so
0: you're going for proof.
1: Yeah. It's not proof as such, you know, it isn't tell me how you've done this. I know that happens very much in the corporate world <coughs> in a big way. And there's all kinds of ways it means that, you know, that is, um, but you know there are challenges with doing that as well uh but it tends to be just an open discussion it isn't kind of a you know you have got this out of 10 and naughty boy you haven't you know you haven't you haven't why did you not get an eight for a, you know
0: i've been so. there man i've been there
1: and it, i think that can be really counterproductive it's just more about discussing um you know and i think within reviews i think it's important rather than the manager doing the reviews it's almost like letting the employee the team member Self-review: What do you think you've worked well on? What do you, would you like to focus on uh, forward? Um, in terms of our values, um, you know, do you feel aligned with them? Um, do you feel that you've met them, uh, not met them, or exceeded them in any kind of way? And it's just a great opportunity to have a, an open discussion. Um, and I think, again, in my opinion, I think a lot of reviews should be a lot about the employee doing the, the doing the talking, really. Um, And then I suppose the only action that needs to be taken kind of from a management point of view is kind of, well, if there's anything that they need to be kind of moved towards, it's just constructively feeding back um, to kind of help get them on on track.
0: Um, How do you go about getting uh, sales in there? Because you've had some really cool, Uh, clients like Lint Chocolate, which I love, by the way, as my belly would testify. Uh, (laughs) how, How would you go about getting all these great clients in? How do you do the sales process at your place?
1: So, I mean, the starting point, a big part of it is brand awareness. So we are a digital agency. So, yes, we generate inquiries. We get them online. We're found, you know, we rank well on Google for certain key terms. People find us, they make inquiries. In that circumstance, it's often what I would call a cold inquiry. They've probably not really met me or heard of any, heard, heard you know, had any kind of engagement. They'll have founders on Google. They're probably going to be speaking to a couple of other companies at least. Uh, and then it all comes down to the process of, you know, have that first discussion with them. Uh, Did they like what you're saying? Then maybe have a face to face meeting with them. Off the back of that, put a proposal together uh, and then present that to them. And then they either engage or they don't or have a think about it. But really, where the real meat of uh, the really powerful strong uh, strongest clients and best clients have come in have come in through uh, our networks so personal brand is huge it's something that we are massive advocates of uh, and moving forward even now with lockdown and uh, you know how we were all separated from each other i feel like uh, lockdown the positive lockdown has had within the marketing and digital sector is it's just emphasised the, the need for kind of business brand awareness and personal brand awareness and you know we talk about b2b and b2c but really it's h2h human to human people buy from people the classic saying um so a big part of it comes down to you know just making sure you are speaking to the right people not to go in there and sell to them just be present, be known as a person that knows what they're talking about, uh, that specialises in whatever area of uh, business, uh, wh- whatever it is that they specialise in. Um, and yeah, off the back of that, when the person is ready to uh, make that inquiry, they will come to you. Um, you know, there's a statistic that says... We see between 3,000 and 25,000 marketing messages in a day. You know, we're pounded by branding left, right, and center. You have to have seven touch points uh, on a brand, have a need or a want for the service or product, and then you'll make the inquiry. So if you're present in as many places as possible, relevant to your target audience, when they're ready, they'll come to you. They'll funnel through the awareness and consideration engagement stage and move to the purchase stage when they're ready to do that. And I've always been a big believer in that, you know, rather than, going in for the cold, hard sale and trying to reach out to people and, you know, ram something down their throats. Um, I feel, you know, basically just make yourself available. And when people come to you off their own back, uh, they'll come to you if they see that you've got the right kind of credibility and trust and the right kind of content out there and the right portfolio of work. Um, And that's kind of how we've always worked. Um, And, you know, when we're in a position... Uh, which which happens with all businesses, you know. Sometimes you have a great pipeline, sometimes you don't. You know, uh, sometimes it, it, it slows down. From that point, you know, what we would do is we took we pull up the marketing, we took we up the marketing, uh, and we really kind of just put a push out there, and people will come to you when they're ready to come to you. It's all about just getting the right message in front
0: of the right people. Love that. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, and I've, I've do you know what I've always wanted to ask you this, um, as a marketing agency uh, and i think a lot of marketing agencies struggle with this is their own marketing uh, so you're so busy doing marketing for your clients and then you think my gosh as a marketing company we we are we're not doing our marketing <laughs> you know yeah. has that been a struggle for you guys is there peaks and troughs with it uh, i mean you just mentioned there that when there's a push that you need to do to get sales and you'll do that but generally how, how do you find it, and how do you manage that challenge
1: It's, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a huge challenge. You know, as an agency, um, we are obviously busy doing client work um, and we try to allocate an amount of time per month to focus on the things that we want to do to keep ourselves going out there. But the reality is when we get busy, sometimes we have to just it's so easy to drop our own stuff. And we're always battling internally on whether we should or shouldn't. Um, You know, obviously, you've got to satisfy the customer and you can't say to the customer, oh no, sorry, you can't have this. You want this next week or you want this in three weeks' time? No, sorry, you can have it in six weeks' time because we've got to do our own marketing that's not really a great thing to be able to say to a client. So Sometimes we have to kind of move things around a little bit, but it does require a fair bit of discipline. Um, And it's something, you know, last year was a great opportunity for us. Uh, We did a lot of webinars during lockdown as pretty much, the whole world did, um, but it really created a solid foundation for us just to kind of demonstrate our knowledge and experience. And we still use them. You know, they're, they're on our website as free recordings, uh, and they're all written up. And we use them as part of our sales process to say, "Right, you want to learn more about LinkedIn, or you want to know more about uh, converting website customers, uh, even if you don't want to engage with us. Watch this uh, video for forty-five minutes, or have a read of this blog. It'll give you a lot of information." Um, but in terms of, uh, like, this year is a great example. We started off really well, we got really busy, and then the marketing takes a bit of a backseat. But the way I, I, I kind of see it, we always keep a level. Uh, of of uh, kind of communication going out and the big the most important one is probably our own personal brand communication uh through myself and other team members you know we're communicating out via um linkedin uh, and just putting stuff out there in terms of kind of regular posting and we've got a commenting strategy and all that kind of stuff um but it is it's very easy to to to, to just drop it sometimes and now that we're almost into 2022 we're now in the process of putting our plan together for next year uh, and you know there's all kinds of optimism and all kinds of big ideas we're coming up with but from how many years of learning we, we we've kind of learned that actually all right we're not going to do all these crazy things we're just going to do these key critical things that we know will kind of really get the message across in terms of what we need to do it's a very fine balancing act
0: so we're talking about having uh, being true to yourself knowing your values hiring the right people systematizing processes what's been the biggest lesson that you've learned uh, when you've been building expand marketing
1: um I think for me probably the most the one that really stands out in my mind now is collaboration I I don't I'm, I'm not shy I'm not too proud to admit that I got it very wrong to start with. I set up a a full service digital agency and I used to have this thing of, it must all be in-house. It must remain in-house. That's a selling point. People want to know if they're calling the office, they can speak to any one of the team, um, depending on what it is. Because we're not often just dealing with one thing. We're dealing with a whole series of components, brand and web web design um, and um, SEO and social media and PR and all those kinds of things. When we went into lockdown, um, there was a lot of demand for what we were doing. You know, a lot of people suddenly who weren't switched on to digital marketing had to go get into digital marketing because it was the only way that you could really get yourself out there. So I reached out to my wider network and started collaborating with, uh, with other specialists in our sector. And what I found by doing that was I was bringing in people with you know, very, you know, 20 odd years behind them or 15 years behind them and specialists in certain areas. And by working together, we were actually able to really strengthen the offering that Expand was able to put put in front of the client. And, you know, the, client, the clients, the prospects were coming to us, Expand off the back of the trust that they have in our brand and our credibility. And quite frankly, they don't care who we use to do the job. Uh, they just know that they trust us to deliver the project. Uh, so I think the biggest learning curve for me was Kind of you know my very collaboration is one of our core values i really do firmly believe in that anyway but i always look i used to look at it from an internal point of view i love collaborating i love shouting across the office you know simon what do you think about this and we'll throw some ideas around and i'm a very out loud um, thinker uh, but doing it kind of with external people was something that i never really fully fully considered uh, until lockdown kicked in And that has changed the whole shape of the way that we do things now and the sway, the way that the business is swayed. Uh, We've got so much more expertise that we've got our hands on and the way that we're now delivering to to clients and the kind of results that we're achieving are just so much stronger, really. So I think for me, it was, was, you know, don't be too headstrong or proud. Um, You know, there's people out there, work with them. They're not against you, work with them and you can just be so much stronger uh, when you're working together.
0: This is a really tough question, but I've got to ask it. So apart from everything that we've talked about so far, let's say that there is somebody who's kind of on the up and they're building, Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're building momentum, they're building the business, they're hiring people, they're growing. Mm -hmm. What is the one thing, if they're listening to this podcast right now, what's the one thing you want them to take away from today's episode?
1: Ooh, they've just started out in business, did you say?
0: Let's say they've been in business for a couple of years or whatever. They've started to build momentum. Maybe they've got one or two people under their, uh, you know, in their company that you know they're starting to grow. But what 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 would you tell them?
1: I think if you're just starting to grow, I think the fundamental part of it is, like I was saying at the beginning, I think systems is really with the right systems in place and the right procedures, written procedures. I learned the hard way, I would say, uh, that getting that in without that in place, your growth is so much slower with the right systems in place um, and the right kind of everyone's got their own job title and everyone is absolutely clear on what their role is. In a small business, you're always going to have handover and everyone kind of you know helps each other out and there's crossover. Uh, but as you grow, obviously, the idea is that those roles become more defined. And I think having those systems in place as quickly as possible is probably the foundation of of good growth. There's a million and one other things that I could say on top of that, but I think systems are definitely, for me, something that, like I said, I learned the hard way, not having the right systems in place. And then if you think about the next five years and where you want your business to be and what you want the hierarchy to look like and the turnover and the profit and all those things, What you also need to consider is, right, what systems do I need in place for that in five years? What does it look like in four years, three years, two years, one years? Once you've got that in place, then it's just literally you've got a roadmap that you just kind of continue working through uh, and just kind of building it out from there.